Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. As I prepare, which way do you want to go? <laughs> I, I will remind you as we prepare to read this morning that out back on that table there are three dedication cards. There are pieces of the paper. There's paper blank paper before it and blank paper after it and blank paper on the back. Uh, the cool part is that we, we're going to give those to Matt and Haley. And so I would ask that you sign your name that you were here today, um, that they would remember who was here the day that they dedicated their children to the Lord. Let's read scripture, uh, Ephesians five fifteen through 21. <clears throat> Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Oh God, we quiet our hearts this morning. We have a chance to look at your word, a chance to look at what you're speaking to us about this morning. We have gathered in your house, Lord, we have sung your praises, we have called out to you, we have dedicated children to your name this morning, and now, Lord, we're going to sit and listen to you speak in our lives. For some of us, Lord, we are distracted at this very moment. Struggling to even sit in a chair or to even spend another moment. Maybe because we're slightly scared of what you might speak to us. And so, Lord, I ask at this moment that you would quiet our hearts, calm our nerves. Help us to sit at your feet and listen. Help us to hear, Lord, that even in those dark, difficult moments in our life, You are still there, still a part of us, still working through us and in us. That, Lord, a relationship with you makes a difference in our life. It makes the biggest difference in our life. It is hopeless without you and hopeful with you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would use the words, that we would hear your words, not my words this morning, that your words would speak into our ears and into our hearts into our minds, that, Lord, we would understand where you would have us to be and to go and the direction that you would send us out with thankful hearts. Maybe we'd be reminded that we are a thankful people because you are a mighty and powerful God who loves us so. So, Lord, we call upon you this morning to come and enter this building, enter our lives Enter in with, with us and speak to us. 
We don't meet because it's a nice place to meet or that it's a warm place. We meet because we come to hear your voice in our life. And so, Lord, I ask that you would do that this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I can only smile when God shows up and uh, you don't probably have a clue, right? But hopefully I'll help you have a clue. Mark was talking this morning. I don't know, Mark, we lost him. Oh, we lost Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark went to children's church. Uh, <laughs> Mark was, uh, was reflecting on community, church community. And, uh, but he, and unless he read my notes this morning... Maybe he did. Uh, he had no clue that uh, that's been on my heart this week about church community, about why, what is the value of, of uh, being involved in other people's lives uh, in a very purposeful way. A lot of times we don't, we don't think about that. We run through life. We just kind of walk through life doing our own thing. And um, if we're fortunate, we have a spouse that we can do life with. Uh, for some of us, for me, sometimes it's just the dog. He listens really well. and My wife listens well, too, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we, a lot of times we are not very intentional about how we do life. We're not intentional about why we walk this earth. We, we just kind of walk it like we go through the motions. Like Friday I drove to Pittsburgh and I've driven to Pittsburgh so many stinking times on 79 that we got from one end to the other. I'm like, oh, here we're here. And it felt like literally like 15 minutes, right? It's, the time hasn't changed. I didn't go that much faster. But we get in that rut of just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we, get, we don't become very intentional about what we're going to do. Well, we've been working for four weeks uh, we've been working four weeks on Thanksgiving. So it's here. We made it. We made it to Thanksgiving. The first week we talked about nurturing a thankful heart and what it takes to be able to begin to build a heart that is thankful to God in all situations. And then Pastor Brentley talked about thanking God for who he is and what he's already done and what his, his being is. And last week we talked about being unthankful. And if I didn't hear any more, I heard the most feedback I heard about last week was this. Don't whine, right? <laughs> As I whined. <laughs> but we tend to be that way, don't we? We tend to be whiners by nature. And God sees that as uh, not being very thankful. And so uh, that's one of the things we need to work on is being thankful in all situations. And today we're going to talk a little bit about being thankful in the dark days. And probably, I left it for last because I felt like it's probably the most difficult uh, place to be thankful, is it not? It's difficult to be thankful when things aren't going well. It's difficult to be thankful when we're in a very dark place and we feel very alone and we feel like no one knows and understands or cares 
And we begin to come into that automatic mode, right? We're just going through the motions of life. Day after day after day, we say hello, we do our thing, but it's dark inside. And I'd like to tell you that we all, some of us uh, make it through life without that, but the reality is no one makes it through life without dark days. There are dark days. Scripture says, Jesus says, listen, in this world you will have trouble. Don't be fatalistic, right? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus says. He, said, he doesn't say you're not going to have any problems. You're not ever going to go through anything. If you do it right, you'll have figured it out and nothing bad will ever happen in your life. He doesn't say that at all. He says, listen, you are going to have problems. That's a part of life. There are going to be days that you feel like the red ball. Right? Try as we may, we can't insulate ourselves from the realities of life. Some of us try to stay away from relationships because we think that if I stay away from a relationship, I won't get too close, and if that relationship breaks off, I'll have less pain, sorrow, whatever it is. There is darkness around us, and there's nothing we can do to make ourselves not have to go through some of those things. It's a part of life. And I believe that that can be a very difficult spot to thank God for. Right? Some of us, myself included, would go to the opposite. I'm mad. There are moments in my life I have been mad at God for what I say is allowing me or putting me in that spot. I know you guys are good church people, so that would not happen on your end, right? But if we're honest, and we're honest with ourselves, and we're honest with God, we are in, get into those spots where it's like, ooh, and we actually will blame God for some things. God, why did you put me in this spot? Why did you allow this to happen? And I know this. It's almost impossible to thank God in that spot. It's hard. It's hard when you're just going through those emotions. So how can we be thankful in the difficult days? What is it that we can do to begin to change the way we see life so that when we have those, one of the things I think we have to do is when we're not in those difficult days, we need to begin to insulate ourselves uh, with some good habits. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because when we're in the middle of that mess, it's almost impossible to be able to see the light. Is it not? There Mark was talking about community. I think that's where community comes alongside and is so important in our lives. And we minimize it, right? We walk in the door, we're having a rough day, and we walk right back out the door, and we don't share our struggles, our pain, our hurt with anybody else in the sanctuary. Why? Because they might think I'm weak. They might think I don't have it together. They might think that somehow I didn't... I wasn't faithful enough, or I didn't pray enough, or I just 
don't have my life sorted out. One of the things that um, I had happen, and I, I share this for one reason, because I feel like it's important for you to know um, that the pastor has bad days too. About a month and a, probably about a month and a half ago, um, I, I don't know why, I don't know what it was. I, I, I always say, you know, there's only one thing bad about being a pastor. You have to come to church on Sunday, whether it's a bad day or a good day. Do you ever think about that? If you're having a bad day on Sunday, you just stay home. Veronica doesn't. Well, that's because you have to stay home with Ken. <laughs> I'm joking. You didn't bring him today, so I can't even pick him. Oh, I, I, I'm learning one thing. Ken's not here. Veronica takes right over. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little different personality, but, you know, same, same action. I'm going to get an airsoft or a Nerf gun. Where was I, Veronica? You got me all out of... Now you're going to have to preach a sermon. Here, here. Oh, I was, I was telling a very dark, emotional story. Veronica, you ruined the story. About a month and a half ago, that's where I was, I had a really bad day. I, I came to church on Sunday morning, and it was heavy. It was heavy. I felt, it felt dark. I felt like if there was any place to be in the world but here, I wanted to be in that other place. Uh, the problem is I was the guy doing the preaching, so that wasn't going to be a real good plan. And I went through the motions, and I did what I felt like God was leading me to speak about that day. And praise God, there were a bunch of people said, well, there wasn't, didn't feel that way. But I wanted to be honest, and I want to be honest with you, because I think it's important for us to realize that, that we have those days. The pastor has those days, and if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife, because she gets the brunt of most of those, right? Because a lot of times I don't speak those things to most people, but she knows if I'm having a good day or a bad day, she knows where I'm at. And just so you guys know that I have like maybe one or two bad days of a year. That's, that's complete honesty. I just don't have, I am so thankful to God that I don't have many of those uh, days where I feel like, ugh. And that just happened to be a day that was on a Sunday. No reason, there was no background, there was nothing. I just had a really bad day. And it was hard to praise God on that day. That's complete honesty. It was, I went through the motions of singing the song, I went through the motions of doing all the things that is my responsibility, and yet I had a hard time praising God that day. I am so thankful that the next day was better. But I also realize that that is a part of the life we live in the Christian faith. And we all have difficult days. And some of us think that, some of, that our struggles are silly to other people. Some of us think that is not a reason to be sad today. That is not a reason to feel down. Some of us remember birth dates and dates of those who have gone and that sticks in our head and no one else in the church knows the hurt that's behind all of that. So I just want to acknowledge that we all have those difficult days. That is a part of the walk that we walk. Right? When we lose a, a, a someone in our family, we, we give people about a week and then we just assume that they're going to be okay from there on. The reality is it's really, really long, right? Wednesday night, that was an awesome... You guys, for you guys who didn't show up on Wednesday night for Bible study, you missed an awesome Wednesday night. We had an honest conversation about death. 
We had an honest conversation from people that I absolutely respect 100% who have lost spouses and family members and friends and who have walked that walk and continued to walk their faith. And if you missed that Wednesday night, we actually had a small group. It was powerful. Not powerful because we wanted, I told them, I said, this is not something we spend time talking about. And yet it was so powerful to, to, to think about the cycle of life. And I said to them, one of the struggles of being a pastor is this. You bury somebody one day and then you watch a baby be born the next. That is a challenging spot. I'm supposed to be happy and then I'm supposed to be sad. And so I appreciated that group. That group spent the time. They, we spent an hour talking about walking our faith in very difficult times. And I think it's important that we spend time doing that. Well, i got to get to the scripture because it's almost 9.30 and we haven't got there yet. Let's see if it works. There we go. So I'm going to ask you that in those dark days that you choose to be thankful to God. That you choose to be thankful because you know that God is still in charge. That God is still in control and that the time is short. The scripture says, uh, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I know we walk through those, we go through these motions and we don't realize, I, when I, Haley, I see Haley, it's like I see Haley as a seventh grader. Um, and that's not the case. She has her own family. She's an adult, mature, raising her children as her and Matt are raising children. And it's just like, where did the day go? I swear it was yesterday that we were running, her and uh, Erica Schwarzfeger were, uh, Kaylee Brown or Kaylee uh, McGrath at the time were screaming their way through the gym like seven year, seventh grade girls do. <laughs> I can remember that. And you know what? That was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know how many years, but there's probably been more years since that than before that. Our time on earth is limited. And a lot of times I think we just go through the emotions, walking day by day, we get up to the alarm, we go to do our job, we come home, we crash, we do it again. We do, and we begin to make these, we, we just get in this cycle of day after day after day, and we begin to, we, we forget that, guess what? We have a life to live that God has given us. And the harder part, there's an end to it. It says, all your days have been counted already. Right? All of our days have been counted. We don't know where it ends. I don't know if it's today or in 10 years or 50 years. But I promise you this, they're already counted. And so quickly we just mumble our way through life that we forget that time is short. That we have a limited amount of time on this earth. And then we have a value and a reason that we're here. And it's not to fill up your little kingdom. It's not to fill up your bank account. It's not to see how much you can put in your pocket. You remember the shirt, right? It says, he who dies with the most toys still dies, right? 
take that into account. Our time here is short. Before you know it, you're middle-aged. Before I know it, my kids are all grown up and married. How did that happen, right? It, it, I was, and I honestly, I didn't think about that when I was a kid. Absolutely not. Someone who was 20 was ancient, right? And then I got to my teenage years, I had way too much fun to think about anything like that. And then I got married and had kids, and I didn't have time to begin to think about that. And then I got in my 30s, and I was just trying to figure out how to not, uh, to keep all those kids in one place, and uh, that they didn't hate me, and that we could figure out all the details of that. And then you get to your 40s, and your kids begin to grow up. But I think the biggest thing that I've noticed that was the change was that grandchild. It's like, ding, 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 right? It's like, holy smokes, there's another generation beginning. And now you're asking yourself this question. Why did God put me on this earth? Why am I here? And what am I going to do with my limited time left? We don't like to talk that way, but that's the reality. We have a limited time left. And so when you're having dark days, it's important, I think, uh, I want to share the scripture with you. It's out of uh, uh, Philippians. Paul reminds us that, listen, um, I've learned to be content in the good and the bad. Whatever the circumstances of life are, I've learned to find contentment or thankfulness in that. And I think there's a, it's a level up from just going through the motions when you can be thankful for the difficult times in your life. Now, I understand that that can be really, really hard while you're in the middle of it. But I think where, where it's important is on a timeline. Right? When I can look at my life and see that God has continued to work over time, right? I, I like this picture because there's some on top. I will call, well, let's call those the victories, right? And the ones on the bottom, maybe those are the struggles or the, the tragedies or the problems in my life, the struggles that I have. And isn't that how life works? We go up and down and up and down and up and down. But isn't it so much better when you can see how God has brought you through it? Because a lot of times in the middle of it, it's hard. It's hard to, to be able to see God moving in our life when we're in the middle of it. I want to tell you, uh, share a story with you, and I have a book, uh, just so you know. If anyone wants to borrow it, you're more than welcome to borrow it. It's called the, uh, Man's, Meaning, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Have you ever heard of Victor Frankl? Ah, beautiful. That's, I expected someone would have heard of him. Victor Frankl was born in 1905, Australian neurologist and psychiatrist. 1905, he lived in Austria. You may remember what happened in the 1930s. Oh, by the way, he was Jewish. In the 1930s, Hitler's regime began to round up Jews. Mind you, Victor Frankl was a neurologist and a psychiatrist. A lot of education, very well-respected, great man who was doing a lot of good. But you know what? He was rounded up with all the other six million Jews. Six million died, but there were more than that. But he was rounded up with all the others and stripped of all those titles, stripped of any dignity that he had. He ended up surviving four concentration camps, four separate concentration camps. Most people, most people were lucky to survive one. Most likely, 
most likely he, he stayed alive because of some of his education. But, but a lot of times they were treated so badly that they didn't know who these people were. And they really didn't care. Viktor Frankl made it through three, four concentration camps, came out the other side, was still alive, and he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning. He wrote it anonymously, which was, I thought was really cool. He wanted people to understand what had happened in the concentration camps, how he had survived the concentration camps, but he really wasn't all that interested in letting people know who he was. That wasn't his focus. So he wrote it anonymously. Uh, people pushed him long enough and hard enough to, say, to get him to write his name on this book. 12 million copies have been sold. You know what's in this book? Difficult stuff. Difficult stuff. It talks about the realities of concentration camp. How their dignity was stolen. How everything that they were as humans was taken away. And you ask yourself, how could someone walk through all of that and not give up? And Frankel, what, what Frankel says in this book is, listen, this is all I went through, but here's what I did to survive. And what he says at the end is, as I figured out the difference between those who died and those who lived in the concentration camp. It was those who could find meaning in this life, even if everything else was gone. He said, I held tight to the understanding that I might someday get to see my wife. He didn't. She died in a, con a different concentration camp. He held tight to the idea that he might someday get to see his kids. He didn't. He held tight to the idea that he might someday get to lecture about his experiences in, in the concentration camps and find something good in something absolutely horrible. The book is powerful. The book is painful to read. It's, it is just heavy. It's heavy when you realize what was done to the Jewish people in those camps. Somehow, some way, Viktor Frankl found meaning in life outside of uh, all the things that we tried to find meaning in life. Powerful book. If you want to borrow it, you're more than welcome to borrow it. It reminds me of the, that, that, listen, there are things in our life that are a struggle, but they are only for a time. Viktor Frankl would end up uh, getting out and go back to uh, teaching. He ended up uh, creating a, a therapy uh, called Logotherapy, which is uh, counseling, psychology counseling, that, that arena. Uh, he wrote uh, more books and, and lectured afterwards. Uh, but he understood this, that it wasn't, if he could survive it, it wouldn't be forever. The second thing is that you need to be led by God. It says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Paul says wine. I just want to uh, enunciate this one thing. It could be replaced for whatever, right? Or with whatever. Don't be drunk on mine, right? Or me, or me, or me time. Don't get drunk on the things that take us further away from God. And by golly, there's a lot of things that take us further away from God. 
And boy, isn't it when we're in a dark, struggling day that we feel somehow entitled to be able to go there. I'm having a really bad day, so this is what I'm going to do. He says, listen, continue to let God lead your life. says, be filled with the Spirit, capital S. Did you see that? Capital S if, <clears throat> capital S if you're looking at, uh, uh, at the Scripture. That's the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let God continue to lead in the midst of the things that are going on in your life. I encourage you that if you're having one of those days to cry out to God, I encourage everyone, and I do it myself, read the Psalms. The psalmists cried out to God. And some of it was really, if you read it, it's like, holy cow, what are they saying? Read those psalms and understand that those people were just real people crying out to God. I always say God has got big enough shoulders to take your struggles. He's definitely not going to judge you for what you say. He was led, be led by God. So this is my hero. You might laugh at that, but this is my hero. Um, if there's one person in the world I'd like to be uh, emulate, I, I think it's Fred Rogers. Uh, I saw him when I was younger, and I just, after, the more I learned about this guy, the more I love this guy. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw that, if, I don't watch many movies or many trailers, but movie came out on Friday. Did you know that? Yeah, I watched it Friday morning, so... I went Friday morning, uh, my, daughter's, my daughter was home, and she's kind of a Fred Rogers, she likes them too, so we went and watched this movie. I don't want to give you all the details of the movie, but the movie wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The movie was inspired by a true story, and what it really does is it shows one moment in Fred Rogers' life that he had an impact on someone else, and actually a really big impact on someone else. And so the movie starts off really odd, it's like... We start out in Fred's in uh, uh, make believe. We that's where it begins, but then it takes. Oh yeah, uh, Barb saw it. Barb was there with me, not with me, but she was there too. It takes a real right turn. It's like, uh, and then for like twenty minutes, you're like, did I get in the wrong movie theater? Because it's really odd. It just takes this right turn, and Fred Rogers isn't a part of it. He's not doing anything. He's not in it. It's like weird. But it begins to to uh, journal. How Fred, and it's not only this one time, it was his whole life. How Fred Rogers had an impact on someone else's life by just loving them. By just being Fred. Did you, and I don't know if you know this, but Fred was a Presbyterian pastor in Pittsburgh. If you didn't know that, he was an ordained Presbyterian pastor. That means Fred, in order to keep his ordination, had to go in front of a board every two to three years and explain where God was leading his ministry. And he would explain that, and they would continue on his ordination. That's how the Presbyterians work. Because he didn't have a real church, like a church we would think of church, right? And so Fred would continue. Uh, his ministry was to children through the screen of the TV. But it was also in these other areas. And so this movie that I watched, this movie just, is, it chronicles Fred's journey and how one person can impact someone else in an extremely big way because they are led by God. Fred's whole life pointed towards God. 
He realized that the TV screen was holy ground. He called it holy ground. And he said a prayer uh, every day before he began uh, the TV show. And it was, let this be thine. Let me do something today that that, uh, praises you in the midst of the work that we're doing. Powerful. He was led by God. He was... Uh, he got to the end, uh, and I, it was a secular article I read this weekend, and it said he got to the end of life, and he asked his wife this one question. And it's a, it's a revelation. Uh, it, it's from Revelation. He said, do you think I'm a sheep? Now, if you don't know, if you don't know that, that reference, you're like, what does that mean? There's a scripture where it talks that God's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And if you're a believer, you're a sheep. If you're a goat, you got separated out. And that was that Fred got, and of course the secular article said, if Fred doesn't know where he's going, we are all in trouble, is what they, is what they said. But because they don't fully understand how that works, right? They don't fully understand that it's not about good works. It's not about all the good things you can do, but it's about a Savior who loves us so. And that's what matters. They, don't, they didn't fully understand that. Well, I got to get to point three. Maybe. Mark's point. He didn't know, by the way. Community is so important. We are not alone. You want to be thankful for where God has put you? You need to be with others. You need to be in community. Walking into these doors is not to sit in a pew, warm it, and walk back out the door. It's to share. This scripture says, sing some songs. What's it say? Sing some songs of hymns of praise. Share your life together. Submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. i got to ask you a question. Church, when's the last time you sat down and had a meal with someone who wasn't your family? When's the last time you invited someone to sit down and have a meal and share life together because of your faith? I think it's one of the things we're missing. I think it's one of the things we have allowed to slip through our fingers and we call it busyness. We call it busyness because we think it's an extra. We've gotten to the point in life where we think that that is extra for us. That's just icing on the cake. And I want to challenge you to begin to understand life in a different way. It's not the icing on the cake. It is the cake. You are not here to fill your bank account. You are not here to build your little kingdom. You are here to build relationships and encourage other people in the faith. And it just so happens that sitting around a table can sometimes encourage that in some really big, powerful ways. My kids were home this weekend. It's kind of an odd deal. My my youngest daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Neil, were in uh, on the whirlwind tour, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, got to be in Pittsburgh on Friday. But they're here for one reason. Well, not for one reason, but this is the main reason. They came to Pittsburgh for Friendsgiving. Does anybody know what Friendsgiving is? It's the week before Thanksgiving. I didn't know that. Neil's family, his college family, get together. They come in to Pittsburgh. Most of them live in, in the Pittsburgh area. Some of them, one was in Texas. Well, they were in Texas, Baltimore, Michigan. I don't remember. And they all make a point to come in the week before Thanksgiving 
get together and have a meal. I'm like, where do you guys stay? Oh, we turn the living room into the, uh, we throw uh, air mattresses on the ground. It doesn't really matter where we're at. We're just spending some time together. And I thought about that, and I thought, that's pretty cool. Just think about how much time, energy, and effort was put forth to make that happen. How much energy did they put forth to get plane tickets and to get their stuff? And then I, I always think it's funny that no one, you know, if you're flying in, there's no way you're cooking a meal before you get there. And so there's a lot of extra work and effort and time and energy and they spend the whole weekend together just catching up once a year. These are people who have all have professional jobs in different arenas, different areas, different parts of the world, and they make sure they get together at least for one weekend a year. And I ask myself, when's the last time I did that? When's the last time that I made sure that I met with people who I love and care that aren't my family, those people that I have connects with in my church? And when's the last time you did that? Maybe we could call it church giving. Eh, it doesn't really ring it. I don't know. If you guys think of a great word, write on your connect card. We used to do that here. I know the church used to do that here. They used to do dinners where they invited someone, not the whole church to your house, but you invited one person or one family to your house. And I think we've lost that idea of Christian community. We've, and you know what we've lost with that? We've lost accountability. We've lost encouragement. We've lost a, 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 a shoulder to cry on when we need it. Right? So we're not that close. We're close, but we're not that close. And so when things get really rough, where do we go? I'll just stay home by myself because I don't have anyone I can share this very difficult moment in my life with. If you're struggling and you want to be thankful, find Christian friends to connect with. Find something to be together for. Whether it's games, whether it's dessert, whether, whatever it is, find something that brings you together and allow you to make connections that you can, at some point, leverage in the difficult days. Because what we've done is we've made these little circles and we don't let anybody in. Right? We made our little circle and, and we call them doorknobs. We close everybody out. And then we all come into our little spot. And this is a safe spot because nobody knows what's at home. Nobody knows what dishes are in my sink. Right? Nobody knows what messes in my life. I leave that all at home when I come to church on Sunday morning. And then I realize that it's not very easy to be thankful when you're the only one stuck in this little hole. Remember that scripture I talked about at the beginning? Jesus said, in th this world you will have trouble. This world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to leave you with this. There's all kinds of great programs in the world, and all, all kinds of churches have all kinds of great programs, but it's not that difficult. It's simply Jesus. Anything that doesn't point us towards Jesus is not where we want to be. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you don't even understand maybe what that means, that today could be the day. Today can be your day to meet Jesus.
Does that mean all the dark stuff will go away immediately? No. I wish it were. What it means is that there's a hope. There's a hope that even in the dark days, better times are coming. Eternity with us, our Savior is a part of our life at that moment. I'd like to encourage you that as we get ready to sing, we're going we're gonna to sing and we're going to take the offering. And I want to encourage you that the altar is here for you. I would love to pray with you. If you're struggling with something today, bring it to the altar. If you want to meet this Jesus guy, I'd love to share that with you too. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that, uh, Lord, even in the most difficult moments of our life, we can have peace when it's pointed in your direction. You offer peace that passes understanding. Lord, someone here this morning is struggling. Struggling with uh, things. Whatever they are, they don't matter. You just want them to leave them at your feet. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for those that are here, maybe who haven't met you personally or aren't able to walk away from the struggles that they have. I pray, Lord, that you would guide them and lead them this morning to find the peace that passes understanding through your word, through your love, through your heart in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.